everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow Greg at XMaserati. Follow the show at GC underscore cast. Check me out every Wednesday night on Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. That drops after AEW Dynamite. Uh, this is being recorded on July 6th, same as Season 2, Episode 3. Let's see here. Last night, we would have dropped Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Greg, I do not recommend that movie. Um, I guess throw it on if you have a, like a, a kid at, at your house or something, like a relative that you need to occupy or whatever. But other than that, it's got awful. I'm pretty um, sure I told you and Eddie that Machete is in the same universe. Isn't he the Q of their movie? I don't does, think does, so. No. I, would, I did not uh, see Danny Trejo in Shark Boy and Lava Girl for what it's worth. I could have sworn someone said they're in the same universe, but uh I mean I guess it's possible because they're both Robert Rodriguez, but not he was not in Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Uh okay. See, I've never seen it, so I, I assume sometimes I assume everything I read on the internet is real. Yeah, that's that's a great practice, by the way. Uh speaking of great practice, great practice would be listening to Pretty much every other show here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have I'm going to stop you right there. Damn I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, we only got five votes, so the other shows don't need any help. Yeah. No. Um, you know they may not, but I'm going to offer some charity towards their way anyway, because you know, blessed are the meek. It's one of the beatitudes for for the religious folks out there. Um, 8-Bit Suplex covers Impact Wrestling and video games. That's hosted by Heel Josh number 2, Josh McLaughlin. All Things Elite is AEW programming being covered by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Summerwitz. Of course, you got us. If you want to listen to DJ Cooks talk about great matches, you listen to Great Match Generator. If you like independent wrestling, and now's the time to get back into it for sure, because shit is really starting to blow up again. Uh, Grown Men Watch This Shit. Name of the show, hosted by Jeremy Tate, a.k.a. James Vanderbeek, and Chris Things, a.k.a. Chris Bryan. Yes, the James Vanderbeek of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back fame. Keeping It Strong Style is New Japan Pro Wrestling-based podcasting, hosted by the boss, Jeremy Donovan, and the young boy, Heel Josh number one, Josh Smith. Said it last week, I'll say it again. We couldn't be here without the OGs of the network. One Nation Radio, that is WWE, AEW, NXT, Stardom, basically anything under the sun, including politics and sports. That's hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. And you can get all of those on the aggregate feed, Social Suplex Podcast Network, or you can listen to the solo feeds. As always, please rate, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts. But enough about everything else here on the network. Let's talk about Season 2, Episode 4 of Lucha Underground, which was titled Cerro Miedo. Yeah, this is definitely a show that acknowledges that Pentagon is one of their stars, finally. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, it does. I have some gripes, but I will save those for when we get to them. Mm. First segment of the night, Ivelisse walks into Katrina's office. Katrina told Ivelisse, you, you know, you, you need to, you should be thanking Mil Muertes for the mercy that he showed you. And 
Ivelisse kind of laughs it off and demands a trios title rematch. And I was mistaken last week because I do watch these in blocks um, because we, we tend to double up now. Uh, this was when Katrina said no automatic rematches, which awfully convenient that that is the case when her boys are champions, you know? It is, but I mean, I do like the not, no, it was, they didn't have automatic rematches with Dario either. Mm-hmm. No, that's, you're right. You're right. But I like I, it. It's just a matter of, you know, convenience and everything. Oh, for her. Yes, definitely. Yeah. She's not doing it because it's the right thing to do. No, no, no. Um, Katrina would just assume lead you on and uh, take your firebird and uh, go back to her boyfriend. Yes, I'm surprised I'm not already trying to propose to her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you just need a firebird and to uh, tell her you'll beat Milmworth as in a casket match is what you need to tell her. That's it? Um, yeah, that's it. Uh <laughs> And Katrina says, you know what, if you want to rematch, beat this other trio that really wants the titles as well. And we don't know who they are yet. We will find out very soon. Uh, we cut to the commentary team, Vampiro and Matt Stryker, of course. And Vampiro teases the biggest main event ever. And I get mad at hyperbole, but I don't think this qualifies as hyperbole because... Prince Puma versus Pentagon Jr. at the time, the biggest main event in the history of the Temple. It's, yeah, with how far their characters have gone, this is like a uh, Ultima Lucha type match. Yes. We haven't had a match of this caliber. Even even Phoenix versus Cuerno wasn't as high caliber as this. No, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But hey. First match of the night is about to start. Jesse and the Rippers are in the ring, of course. Ivelisse, Son of Havoc, and Helico, the former Trios champions, the inaugural Trios champions. And they are being paired off against, of course, everyone knows him, everyone loves him, Chavo Guerrero Jr. and the crew of Cortez, uh, Cortez Castro and Mr. Cisco. And by the way, I will refer to him as Castro in in-ring segments, and I guess as Reyes when we're acknowledging that he is a police officer. And I will forget his name in both scenarios. That's fair enough, man. Of course, Cisco and Angelico to start off. I think I feel like that's, that's the right way to go with a match like this. Um, hey, who is the face in peril in this match? The face in peril? I mean... I don't think there was one because this match wrong. Oh, oh, here we go. Evilise, of course it's Evilise, dude. Mm, I might have tuned out because I, 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 this match pretty much showcased how much they've improved because they're going against the crew who they have had trouble with before and they feuded with, but not only did they they upgraded because Bale's gone and mm-hmm. they replaced them with as as painful as this for me to say, Chavo's you know an improvement. He he's. He's a bigger, he's higher up on the card. So they're not only going up against a, a team that they've fought against before, but they're going up against a better version of it. And mm-hmm. I mean, they just, they, they were in sync with each other. There was no infighting. I mean, they were just on point. I mean, and Helico was doing some limb targeting that was innovative. I haven't seen before. He did a thing where he did an arm drag, but as the other guy was at the height, of the arm drag in the air, he fell straight down, almost like he was doing a cutter on the on the shoulder, like he was trying to pull it out of the socket. Just some yeah. limb targeting I've never seen before, but it was very crisp and very fun to watch. And then 
uh, big boy Matt Cross came out there, and he's doing <laughs> some Irish whip stuff, and he finishes with a very simple just trip with his leg that you know can look kind of corny and not very impressive, but the way he did it showcased how you know in control he was of the match when he was in there. No, you're absolutely right, and I love the finish because as much as people may hate Loki, the Warriors Way foot stomp is amazing. Yeah, personally, I'm not a fan of any foot stomp move, even when Finn Balor does it. But in yeah. real life, if someone stomped you, this is really just an aesthetic thing. Like it's not. Oh, I think they don't. It won't work if someone stomps and stomps on you. That's as big as Angelica, who's like what six two, six three, uh, coming off the ropes, basically doing a pencil like he's diving into a pool. It's gonna hurt wherever he hits. It's like a knife. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And after this match, as the uh, the Rudos are arguing with each other, who runs in but Tejano, and he whoops the crew whilst Chavo Guerrero runs away. I mean, he's a big dude. I'd run away, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, we get a Johnny Mundo vignette. Not much to report here. Um, he goes on, I'm the biggest star. I've not been treated like the star I am. I was even in the opening match at Ultima Lucha, and I still stole the show. I should be the Lucha Underground champion. This is my world. Everyone else just lives in it. Uh, this vignette didn't really need to be on the show. It didn't need to be on the show, but of all of compared to other vignettes, I didn't have a problem. It was over before I I completely forgot about it. That's how short it was. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, after that, we see Cortez Castro in the back when Joey Ryan comes in and insults him, looking like the sleazeball that he is for real. Um, Joey it was Ryan, never kayfabe. It was always like, hey, you know what? Like, I get the job done. And he doesn't add, but he should have because of the implication. <laughs> What if yeah. they inserted the music from Always Sunny from him for him? Oh like, yeah, he's like, oh, and it fits into. He's like, hey, whoever I'm debuting against, I'm gonna whoop him. I'm gonna win. This would have <laughs> fit for sure. And then you see the the black screen where it says Joey Ryan dies. Yes, Joey Ryan dies. Uh, we will <laughs> we will come back to that for sure. Joey Ryan comes out. He comes out to that same stock music as, and you weren't watching at the time, but in 2006 on Raw and ECW and all these other shows, uh, Chris Joseph, who was the writer for Lucha Underground and for WWE at the time, was a guy who came out in oil and like nothing else and uh, a little pouch for his uh, twig and berries. Mm. And his name was Big Dick Johnson. And Joey Ryan came out to that same stock music, which I'm sure was not coincidental whatsoever. Nothing. Gotcha. No, sorry. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Um, Joey seemed impressed, but very much intimidated by Brian Cage. And basically, you know, save for the cheating in this match, Brian Cage made very short work of him. Do you think he didn't know who he was going up against? Or do you think he was cocky even though he knew he was going against the machine? Not a man. I like, to, I like to imagine he had no clue. So, like, but I will say they didn't convey that good enough because, of, you know, he has no clue who he's going against. And he sees a guy the size of Brian Cage coming out. He should be, like, mouthing, at least mouthing, oh, shit. 
and and throughout the match, I don't remember too many big spots. Uh, yeah. But he did seem when he was in control, he seemed like he was in control. So he wasn't really cage killed him. Right. Yeah. But it's cage. It's like, let's say someone went in there and got beat by Lance Archer clean. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's what should happen. So he's not really portrayed. I would even say he's portrayed a little bit stronger than Castro. Yeah. Not much, no, but I, a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> the finish comes, as, as, by the way, Brian Cage is about to set up for what becomes the drill claw, which is amazing. Even better than Weapon X, in my opinion. Um, less convoluted, more clean. Um, as he sets up for it, Cage yells, he ain't getting up from this. Mm. He doesn't. Was that the screwdriver? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Matt Stryker reacts accordingly. He says, Joey Ryan is dead. Oh, wow, that ties into, because uh, I missed that, that ties into the uh, Always Sunny. I thought that's why you said it, to be honest with you. No, I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, after the match, Johnny or Brian Cage, pardon me, doesn't have a lot of time to celebrate because Johnny Mundo comes in and sneaks up on him with a spear and punches. Johnny Mundo, as he has the better of him, yells for the first time, Welcome to Slamtown, bitch. <laughs> Johnny Mundo's a treasure. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love I love Welcome to Slamtown. And it will be expanded upon as the series progresses, and you will love it, too. I'm sure. Johnny then eats Weapon X, and I was like, okay, this is why Cage didn't hit Weapon X earlier. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Is Cage a, a face now? Yeah, absolutely. He's kind of abrupt. He's a de facto face, yeah. Yeah, days, uh, and I, I, going back to your comment about Striker, I, I was, I just realized, like, I can't tell you what the announcer said for most of the time because the action and the story and what's happening is just so much more interesting. I guess yeah. I'm tuning them out. Well, you know, that's fine. Like to me, the bare minimum I ask for an announcer is just don't be bad, don't take away. Yes. Like if you. If I completely tune you out, that's fine. If you enhance the story, that's even better. But I'm not necessarily demanding that, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what's happening here. Is like they're not taking away from it. Uh, if anything, they add to it. And that's their improvement this season. It's like they're not trying. They caught, they've, they found their footing, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Cage then grabs a microphone, and I get really excited for a second because it's like, oh, God, what's he going to say? He just destroyed Joey Ryan in, like, inside of five minutes and then got the one-up on Johnny Mundo, who jumped him even. And then he just says his catchphrase, and I was like, okay, that's cool. The crowd loves it, but, eh, you know. Yeah, I don't even remember that part. I, I remember when you he don't was remember talking. It because there was, you don't remember it because there was nothing of consequence to it. And it was, it was probably over quick. I mean, when he had the mic, the... Was it the previous episode or was it this episode? Uh, two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. Like, he was actually really good on the mic. He, yeah. That's the best I've ever heard him. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing is Brian Cage is generally not a good talker. But sometimes he can be. That's for sure. That's Definitely. for sure. Um, we cut to El Dragon Azteca Jr. doing some training. And who's training him? But, of course, Rey Mysterio Jr. And... I really hope that Rey Mysterio isn't doing to El Dragon Azteca Jr. what El Dragon Azteca was doing to Black Lotus and just taking him for the ride. 
Yeah, he's definitely teaching him some bullshito. Yeah. Uh, bullshito. I don't know how you say it, but it's some of that McDojo bullshit. But uh, <laughs> I, w- I think I would trust Ray a little yeah. bit more, especially with how we see of uh, Dragon Azteca Jr. At the time when I watched it, when originally I wasn't too interested in this character, mm-hmm. but he's a good wrestler. Well, yeah, Ray Horace is a good wrestler. And not only that, but like his character is like central to the plot of the even the supernatural canon of this show, because Rey Mysterio even says like, hey, you're supposed to do the impossible and unite the seven tribes. So, yeah, they, they start saying that a lot. Supernatural shit. Yeah, they, I think they said it in this episode, maybe the previous episode as well. But they said it twice in this season where the tribes are supposed to unite against the gods. And I don't remember that being said ever because I, I guess they dropped that talking point. Well, given how season four ended, I think that was going to be a big plot point in season five. And then, of course, season five doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lore to this show. And it's, you know, if you... If it had time to keep going mm-hmm. and they didn't mess up the contracts and, you know, it's it's a big woulda, shoulda, coulda. Um, and I'm going to bring up another point when we get into the next match. But there was a lot of chances to just expand and even get better um, mm-hmm. that they missed out on. No, you are you are absolutely right. So we go back to the ring before the main event. We get an announcement from Matt Stryker that next week we will see Cage versus Johnny Mundo for the first time ever here in Lucha Underground. That's going to be... Is it the first time? Uh, In Lucha Underground, yeah. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Second time. I I misspoke. That's my mistake. Uh, I was going to say, I was like, I'm pretty sure they they had to have met the first time. Yeah, no, Cage even mentioned that in the promo they had the first time in the season. Yeah. That sorry, my bad, my bad. Way to go, Vampiro. Yeah, I know. I'm a real screw up. Um, <laughs> next up, the biggest main event ever inside the temple: Prince Puma versus Pentagon Junior. The crowd is hyped for Puma. He gets a very respectable pop. He he is like, as a babyface, he has excelled this season. Thanks in huge part to booking, but also just in. in tenacity and everything like he has earned his his cheers for sure it was definitely i definitely think the the first spot from the first episode where he broke mill's arm uh even though i still agree with eddie that that may not have been the best choice uh, for the show overall but it was the best choice for pentagon yeah no you were you were absolutely right you're absolutely right and when Melissa announces Pentagon Jr. to the ring, she still has that vinegar in her voice because remember, like, Pentagon tried to break her arm last season. So she still has that vinegar, but she also still has that fear because as you see Pentagon walking to the ring, you <laughs> can also see in the, the background of the shot, Melissa Santos, like, borderline running in heels out of the ring. She definitely, and I, I don't think she gets enough credit, she definitely... Yeah. St- She's a character. Everyone on the show is a character, even the refs, mm-hmm. the announcers. And that doesn't happen. I don't even think it's happening in AEW where the announcer is part of the story in, in, in any way. No, I mean, I guess Don Callis kind of, but it's like he only does commentary for Kenny and the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks and stuff. So, yeah, he's he's an on-screen character, but you don't see uh, 
Justin Roberts running scare from anybody. And if they do, they don't show it on camera. Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely right. So this match was awesome. It really was. For my money, until the finish. The finish was kind of... Damn, I don't even remember the finish. It was quick. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you the finish. because, And again, just the athletics here were, of course, amazing. Because they always are. Especially when you got guys like Puma and Pentagon in there. But... You know, we we have spent the past year talking about how Lucha Underground doesn't do these bullshit finishes, the 50-50 book, and, you know, they have clear winners and clear losers, and everyone still looks strong. Well, this was the first instance in a main event where they like, they're like, oh, God, we can't, how do we, how do we get out of this? Like, they're, you know, trying to figure out a way to kind of screw themselves and the fans over in the process. And what they did was Pentagon had Puma in a bridge. And Pentagon, in the process, had Puma pinned. But his shoulders, uh, pardon me, Pentagon's shoulders were also to the mat. Mm -hmm. So the referee started a three count. And at the very end, like right about two and a half, Puma lifts his shoulder. And Puma basically steals the win. Yeah, he showed he came. They they were trying to tell the story that there's a very split difference between the skill of Pentagon and Puma, and they go on to do the story for a while, where mm-hmm. Puma is always going to be just a little bit better than Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be, yeah, I was, right. I was I was gonna say it becomes a storyline of Pentagon just needing to jump that hurdle of beating Puma. Can he ever just be that little bit better? And you know, it's a great match and all, but Pentagon is one of those wrestlers where he finds himself in the spot where he gets in matches where he can't win clean over yeah. the other guy, and the other guy can't do it either. And it becomes this type of matches where, well, we can't have this guy look weak or this guy. And they, they do struggle. You're right. They do struggle with Pentagon when he's yeah. involved. And they do struggle for a while, uh, whereas they probably would have been better off just letting him be a little bit weak. And yeah. catching back up. And they just can't. He's one of those. He, like they had the trouble of Naito in, in uh, New Japan. Where it was just. He was always so close. And by the time they finally pulled the trigger on it. A lot of fans were a little over him. Yeah. Um, and. I, I One of the other issues I had of this match. Was actually Vamp. Yeah. He There's one point where. Pentagon's playing to the crowd. Outside. And Vampiro goes on a tirade, don't do that, leave them, forget about them, they don't matter. And then two seconds later, he goes, oh, the crowd's really into this. And, <laughs> you know, Pentagon's not, they don't really play to the crowd a lot, but they do. Like, it doesn't take forever. They're not killing a lot of time playing to the crowd. They're just trying to hype them up. And I was thinking, you know, that they, they learned this from AAA, and it works in AAA. And Vampiro's doing this thing that, disco does where it's like oh well this doesn't work you have to do it like wcw and it's like look wcw failed for a reason right yeah just because it made a lot of money when it when it was on there doesn't mean they did everything right and i they kind of look at one thing that's successful and go that's the only way to do it yeah and i i think they took i think vamp took a lot away Mm -hmm. from what with these tirades because they they come up too much 
of him complaining about them playing to the crowd because Pentagon did it for like a second, bro. Like a second yeah. he plays to the crowd after doing something outside and Pen- and Vampiro loses his shit. And it takes, a, it's like, he's almost like he's burying him. You know, Which is he, especially weird because, you know, he's supposed to be the maestro and everything. Well, I mean, and I, I looked, I started thinking about it. I was like in Attitude Wrestling, Attitude Era, you know, Raw, they play to the crowd all the time. The, yes. the anti-heroes. Yes. You remember when they would get him in the turnbuckle and they'd climb and they'd do the 10 punches? Yeah. It's the dumbest fucking move. Yeah, absolutely it is. But they played to the crowd, and this and Pentagon did it for like a. It actually kind of not looking back. It actually took me out of the match because I was thinking about how big of, his, of an issue this is for me. Because just just let them wrestle Luchador style. Don't make them wrestle WCW style. Because mm-hmm. why? You, you can tone it down if it gets excessive, but play to their strengths. Don't try to make them something they're not on the fly, on the air. Uh, because this is is this a storyline? Is this a storyline of him t- teaching Pentagon to not play to the crowd? No, it's not. It takes away from the match. It's like okay, and it's not raw, It's not right either because he's not doing it for a long time. I don't know. It just I'm I'm having trouble articulating it because I feel like they could have just had a different feel for this show entirely compared <laughs> to the other product. And it would it would probably would have been. I mean, when I, I was watching AAA, I was telling you about it. Doctor Wagner Jr. I think it was Doctor Wagner Jr. was just. Every move, he would just throw the horns up to the crowd, and the crowd ate it up. And it, it sometimes it's excessive, but if the crowd's into something and you're watching it live, sometimes it makes you more into it, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. it, he's just like, why? And play, looking back to it, like there's so many times people play to the crowd for for heat for stuff. And even uh, Lana was on Talk as Jericho. She was talking about how much you know playing to the crowd matters for wrestling. You know, she understands it. So why ignore the crowd? Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I should stop talking about this because I'm going to beat myself. Like, but. Yes, maybe in kayfabe, it's like Vampiro the Maestro is upset at his student, his Padawan, for wasting time playing to the crowd. I don't know. I could see that. It's just they don't make that apparent, and it's, you know, it's just stupid. Yeah. Um if you had to guess how many scenes, you know, in ring, how many times Pentagon and Vampiro have been on screen together this season? Mm-hmm. What would you guess, pal? Uh, together, together, like as an act or even him being the maestro or just in general, like him announcing a, a Pentagon match. Not necessarily him announcing a Pentagon match, but then being in the same frame. Twice. Zero. Zero times have they been in the same frame of this season. Mm. Oh, I was thinking the entire season. Do you remember how like that was like a build for 60% of the the first season? Who's the maestro? Who's the maestro? Who's the maestro? And then now we know Vampire is the maestro and they'll allude to it all the time and they'll talk about it. But it's just we never we have not seen one inkling of that so far this season. And now granted, we're only four episodes in and we've got 22 more to go. But still, they could have had uh, a different announcer and they could have had Vampiro walk him to the crowd with his rip off of Ghost outfit yeah. as much as he wanted. And that would have added to it. Um, they could have been very theatrical with it, but they really are kind of like in a situation where it's shit or get off the pot and they just sit in the bathroom till their feet fall numb. Yeah, they just go numb. Um, 
not an enjoyable time for what it's worth. But yeah, we have that shitty finish, which the crowd boos because it's lame as mm-hmm. shit. And Pentagon is angry at himself, at the ref, at Puma, at everyone. And Pentagon punks out the ref. Oh, big tough guy. Tries to punk out Puma. Does not work out one bit. Puma even has the chance to break his arm. Puma says something to him and then just chooses not to break his arm. So it's like, it's like one of those, let me give you an analogy here. It's like when a powerhouse college football team plays a little sister of the poor and they've got them down like 50 to nothing in like late third quarter. And a running back has like a clear path to another touchdown. And instead of taking the touchdown, they go out of bounds like the three yard line. It's like, that's more insulting. Yeah. And the crowd wasn't into this. The crowd was booing. Uh, This is a, this is a segment that didn't land and there's been buildup before. This is the fourth episode. They've been building this up to episode one. And I don't remember being this disinterested in it, Um, but they missed the mark on this match. And it's not like we're criticizing it. I think I'm still going to grade it pretty high. It's just, you know, it's a big deal. I will say this, that main event and even the aftermath, I like the aftermath. The only thing I would have changed is I would have had Puma win clean. Yeah. Like if, if you're wanting to get over like, Hey, Pentagon has to improve something. Cause that's what they're trying to get over. It's like, just have him lose clean because that says more about him. Like he needs to improve, not he needs to roll a shoulder over. You could have had someone interfere. That would have been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have had it be like a huge spot, like a big spot that kept building up to a point where it's a like we talk about believable finishes where you shouldn't kick out. They could have had them climbing to the top turnbuckle, right? Huh. And just have it turn into like a hurricane run that gets twisted into something else. Our Pentagon's going for like a crazy uh, outsider's edge that Pentagon or that Puma switches around the last second. I mean, I think Pentagon did a inverted, he did like a corkscrew uh code red at one point <laughs> right like these guys yep. can do stuff like they could have i don't even remember what the the pinning bridge was from it was from a submission i believe you're right he was doing that uh surfboard was, yeah he was doing a surfboard it turned into a pin it was just a and you can do finishes that come out of nowhere but it was just it was just a lame finish and then there was a lame finish to the story at the end where Puma had him in an arm. He had him in the arm bar where he could break his arm. And, and he's like, I'm just not going to do it. It didn't. This kind of ha- came out like a fart in church at the well, end. Well, here's the thing. I, I think Penniger, Puma looked like a million bucks here because he had mm-hmm. the wherewithal to roll his shoulder. He <laughs> saw the angry young man Pentagon, got the better of him, tells him. Whatever he tells them, we don't know, but it's probably something to the effect of, hey, if I wanted to break your arm right now, I absolutely could. Yeah, Puma definitely did look like the better man, and it would have been better if he just was in his ear going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, enough from the temple. The last segment of the night, we see Sexy Star running through a hallway, presumably... Yeah, she's got to be in the temple because she runs into someone. And of all people, will back. You're breaking up a little bit. Okay, pardon me. Um, sexy star runs through a hallway. 
she's in a daze of some sort, and she gets stopped by Willie Mack, of all people. Yeah, he's very confused. I thought they were out. I thought she was running in the streets, like she just escaped the house. Yeah. Um, did did Marty say that he was taking her back to the temple in their segment? Because I. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. Marty said like, hey, hey, we're gonna, you're gonna go back to the temple. You're not going along because I'm coming, and so is my sister. Yeah, and this was shot very much like a B movie, where <laughs> she's like pointing. She's like, not him, not Marty. Her and then as the Mac turns around, uh, he looks shocked. Yeah, and we have that like final scene of a horror movie where you think the bad guy's gone, but they show up at the last second. So it was a. Uh, it's not bad. It's kind of corny, but that, that kind of Mac does Mac does well with corny kind of stories. I think. Yeah, of all pe- of all the people on the roster, he's the guy to go to for a corny storyline. I don't know if you've heard him on, in TNA, but he is not good on the mic. Yeah, no, I've. Uh, he's not that good on the mic. I mean, he he's a great wrestler, but he's not good on the mic. No, he's a great wrestler. He's one of my favorites. He's he's, he's actually better when it's a stupid plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like this, for example. You know, we forgot to rate the last show. We did. Oh man, I guess I have to wait a week. Not a big deal. Uh, last week's episode gets a B. Um, I have to look at my notes because I've already forgotten. <laughs> um, yeah, a B's fine. Maybe a B plus. Yeah, I mean, you had two really good matches, and you had the Cobra Moon debut. Um, it was good. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Um, <laughs> now let's grade this week's episode. I will give this a B plus. I would have given it an A, but the finish to the main event drags it down a little bit because you're you were non-committal. You were too cowardly to to beat someone to really beat someone. Yeah, and I I, I forget what Rich always says, but like if you're gonna go for it, uh, don't be a coward. Like just do it. Uh, and they they should have had one of them go over clean because uh, it wouldn't have hurt the other one because they were they are such big acts that it's it's like uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins if 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 Seth loses it's not the end of the world for him right yeah exactly he can come back you can build and Lucha Underground is good at building people up you, that you gotta if you're gonna book it you know be prepared to to tell the story afterwards and you know carry on like you can. I mean, how many times did Kenny Omega lose to Okada? Uh, Quite a few. Once, I thought. <laughs> they, had a, they had like a few series of matches. I mean, how many I times? Like four matches, and they tied in one of them, and Kenny won two. I'd have to look back, but I mean, because... even if even if Kenny won the, the majority of it, even if Kenny won and they had one draw, Okada was fine afterwards. Yeah, no, you're be... absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, basically what you're saying is like losing isn't the end of the world. And believe it or not, folks, sometimes just because you lose doesn't mean that you're suffering grave consequences. 